Hey, it's Thursday, and I'm going to call this one Truckin' Thursday. Hey, let's talk about trucks. It's something we haven't really discussed in the past. And, uh, you know, I've had some trucks myself. How about you? You know, trucks are fun. They're useful. Now, the first truck I ever owned was a van. And, yeah, that is a truck. Now, I had a 1962 Ford Econoline van. It ended up in about four different magazines after I finished building it, and it was my first true build from nothing to something. I bought an old clapped-out van. We did the bodywork in the backyard. First time I've ever done bodywork. We stripped the paint down, stripped what was in the interior, which was really nothing, put it all together, painted it all up, had Bill Carter, Wild Bill Carter, did the striping for me. And it was called the Wabbit Wagon. It had flames on the side with a Playboy bunny head. I sculpted the inside of the taillights to represent the Playboy bunny head, so when I hit the brakes, that's what you saw. The directional signal markers on the dashboard were also shaped like bunny heads back then. It was a real custom cool van back in the early 70s when Vannon was one of the more popular trucking sports here in Southern California. And now, I've had pickup trucks, too. I had a Chevy Colorado, a Chevy Silverado, a couple of Rancheros mixed in on that. But that's in a 1932 Ford. Now, buddy mine's got that one right now. We did some horse trading, and he ended up with it. But, uh, you know, chop top, suicide doors, channeled over the frame just a little bit. It was a cool 32 Ford pickup truck. But it wasn't what I needed or wanted at the time. Now, did you ever think about why the word pickup truck? And it's not because it picks up things. Back in the early 1920s, when Henry Ford was selling the Model T, the body pretty much was the same in the front. The Roadster, the Turtle Deck, was, an, uh, was the standard piece that went in the back behind the cab area. It was a very small area. Now, if you wanted it, as a pickup truck, you could have it as a truck. They didn't call it pickup trucks at the time. But what ended up happening was the dealer did not deliver the vehicle with the truck bed. I got to remember, it was a truck bed. What you had to do is you had to go back to the dealership and pick up the bed. It became called, it started being called the pickup truck. Now, they were light-duty trucks. They were heavier-duty trucks at the time. And a lot of companies made them. A lot of people made money just making trucks. Mack, Peterbilt, REO, Speedwagon, which was Ransom E. Oldsmobile. After he left the Oldsmobile company, which was part of Generous Motors, he started REOs, and that was Ransom E. Olds, and he made trucks. Now, he didn't make pickup trucks. Well, I guess he did have some small trucks, but most of them were medium-duty or at the time, what they called a heavy-duty truck. And this is before the use of diesel engines, so they were all gasoline-powered. And that was one of the reasons why the GMC had a bigger six-cylinder engine than its counterpart, the Chevrolet, and why a lot of racers went to the Jimmy Motors. 301 cubic inches, punch them out, bring them up. 292, I think, was what they were stock. So they were a pretty big six internally, giving you some torque and some horsepower. So that was the fun part of trucking. I see a lot of people watching in right now. Cassie Nunez, Dennis Burnham. Got you on my computer this time. I figured out how to do it. I can see it as we're doing it. Keith Saunders, how are you? Phil Hoffman, Murray DeWitt. Going to see you tonight. 
uh, at the drags, Irwindale Drag Strip. That's right, Irwindale Drag Strip. It's Thursday night, Thunder. Thursday night, under the lights at Irwindale Drag Strip. It's your place to race. And you know, here's another thing about Irwindale. You don't have to be just a spectator. Now, not only do we have the burnout box, or I call it the donut box, because all they're doing is doing donuts and doing burnouts, but you could be driving. You could be driving in the donut box. That's right. Just go out there. You could be driving on the drag strip. Someone tried to call us right now. Minimum tech, and you go racing. $30 in your hot little hands, you go down the track as often and as much as you can in a night. Some people are getting 5, 10, 11 runs in a single night and just having fun, and that's what it's about. Irwindale Drag Strip, your place to race. Remember that. It's your place to race, so come on out and do it. we got lots going on this Thursday night, and we're getting ready for Deuces Wild on the 22nd with Match Race Madness. You don't want to miss that. we got a lot of heads up. Two out of three races coming your way. I'm Mike Levy. Rick McGee, how are you doing this morning? Glad to see you watching. I hope you tune in for next week's gas at 6 p.m. Because next week, as I said, we're introducing a new guest. Actually, he's a new guest host. He's going to be a host. The hostess was the Moses? Eh. Joe Walla joins gas. That's right. So it's going to be me, Bruce Barker, Randy Cardoon, and Joe Walla. Walla's going to be bringing his racing and rocking report to gas. We'll get back to putting some racing information out there. And we're going to start this weekend with a young lady. And she's going to be on the show as well. Uh, you'll see her. I'll tell you more about Hannah. She's a road racer extraordinaire. Started out when she was just, well, three, four years old. Started racing karts. Was a national champion in go-karts. Moved on to the Mazda spec. Was top in that. And she's moving through the ranks, going to become one of the top professional racers. That is her goal. John Zimmerman, Randy Elam, how are you this morning? And John Logue, how are you this morning? Glad you tuned in to gas. Now, pickup trucks are fun. Some of the most stylish trucks around, well, it depends on the era you like the best. Me, I like the 30s. But give me a 1953 to 1956 F100 Ford. And I'm happy. Drop the nose just a little bit. Some wide white steel wheels, baby moons. The first one I got to ride in was when I moved here to California. It was a black 56. And man, that thing was fast. It used to scare the crap out of me when I was in the passenger seat. I'd never driven in a car or a vehicle that accelerated so rapidly. Probably because the driver had a lead foot. But it was cool. It was black. Wide whites. Lowered down in the front. At that time, they called the dropped axles Dagoed. Because there was guys in San Diego that were dropping them, they called them Dago axles. It had nothing to do with ethnicity, as some people want you to think. It had to do with the San Diego area. So it was dropped. Now, disc brakes weren't around yet, so it had regular drum brakes. The back end was a little bit higher, and uh, you could lock the tires up trying to stop them all the time. And yeah, Cassie, we do need more women in racing. We need more of everything in racing. We need more people to get involved and enjoy the sport that we love. It doesn't matter what who they are or what they are. Uh, it's come out and race and enjoy. Show your skills. Learn skills. The driving skills you learn on a track will help you on the streets. And uh, I'm definitely a proponent of that. I believe if you have a high-performance car, you should know how to drive it. 
You should be even licensed to drive it. But that's another story we'll talk about another day. But pickup trucks are cool. Now, they started getting more stylish in the late 1940s, early 1950s. Chevrolet with their Thriftmaster line, Ford with their F-Series, and then finally the F-100 then becomes the F-150. They've become performance vehicles. They've become personal luxury vehicles. Look at the Ford Lightnings. First supercharged factory hot rod pickup truck around. Chevy came out with the SS trucks, but not quite the same. They did have the SS 454 for a while, and that was kind of cool. It was blacked out or with the SS badging on it. And the 454 engine on a nice short bed pickup truck made for some fun. Now today, Ram trucks, they have a whole line of performance trucks. You can get Hemis. Now, I haven't seen them put the Hellcat motor in yet, but I'm sure they're thinking about it. They did put a cast iron version of the Viper motor and called it the Rumblebee. And it was kind of a cool truck with a big Bumblebee stripe across the back and some special wheels and tires. And it was a bright yellow machine that you could not miss. And I thought they were cool. Hi, Joe Walla. How are you? And Joe, I just introduced you a few moments ago, telling everybody in the world you're going to be on gas. You're going to be part of it with Rockin' and Racing starting next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Terry Wallace is watching. And uh, good morning, Joe. Hope you're wide asleep, right-tailed and bushy-eyed this morning. And But we're talking about trucks. Now, the Australians, they had a, a little bit of an advantage on us. They started building car-based trucks long before we did here in the States. They called them utes, or utility vehicles. Our first car-stylized trucks actually came out in the 30s. Studebaker was one of them with their uh, Express versions. There was Hudson with the front, basically, of a car made into a pickup truck. It was kind of cool. Now, people added pickup beds to... You know, the Model T bed would just about fit in the back of a Model A trunk. And a lot of people did that when they couldn't get a truck. They found the used truck bed and put it in the back of their Model A or 32 Ford. It depends on, you know, what they could get and what they needed for their particular purpose. But trucks have been around. You know, it's a kind of a offshoot of the wagons that were used, horse-drawn wagons, for working. And they were work vehicles. These were not considered personal transportation vehicles. Then along in the late 1950s, the Japanese started coming in with compact pickup trucks. Datsun, Toyota Pet, they came in in 1957. Now, not many people realize that, and the only reason I do is because I worked for Nissan back in, well, not in those days, but in the early days of Nissan or Datsun changing its name to Nissan in 82, I was there. And I looked at the history because I was part of the customer relations division. We answered a lot of questions to consumers about their vehicles and so forth. And I read up on it. And Datsun Trucks. Now, the company's name was Nissan, but they sold the product under Datsun. And Datsun was the early name of the company. It was the first initials of the three owners of the company, D-A-T. The first vehicle they came out with was called the Dot. The next vehicle was called the Datsun, son of Dot. And they used that name because they had a great reliability rating with their vehicles and kept it on. It, was, it wasn't until 1982, the hierarchy there decided that the corporate name was Nissan. And that's what we started to talk to. So we needed to have those names out there. <laughs> Cassie says, did I work for any co every company? No, actually, I only worked for four vehicle manufacturers. Uh, one was a captured manufacturer of Generous Motors. 
and later on I became part of the General Motors team and then went back to that captured company after the reorganization and GM sold them off. But the trucks were interesting. The compact pickup truck, they started catching on. 20 to 30 miles per gallon. No truck here in the States was doing that. They were V8 powered or they were six-cylinder powered. You got 10 to maybe 15 miles per gallon. There was no such thing as a compact pickup truck from the U.S. market. So in 1957, as I said, Nissan came in with the Datsun trucks. Toyota followed with the Toyota Pet. And then around the early 1970s, General Motors and Ford realized they needed to get in the fray with a compact truck. But they found an easier, more inexpensive way. Ford bought into Mazda, and Chevrolet bought into Isuzu. Now, Isuzu was 47% owned by Generous Motors and pretty much controlled at that point. They were the major stockholder or shareholder, and they actually had people in Japan to make sure operations stayed the way they wanted to. The first truck that came in from Isuzu was, they called it, the Love Truck, light utility vehicle. Ford brought in the Mazda truck, and they called it, what did they call it? I forgot what they called it, but they brought it in. So GM and Ford battling with compact trucks from importers. And they became importers of the truck, so import companies. Now, that stayed on until about the early 1980s when General Motors decided they were going to build their own truck and the Chevy S10 came out. So well, let's see, Ford called theirs the Courier. Then Ford brought their own compact truck in and they called it the Ranger. By this time, Isuzu was selling their pickup truck under their name. They called it the Pup. Ford or Mazda was selling their version of the pickup truck, and they even put a rotary engine in their little truck. It was a little rotary rocket. We've seen a few of them out at the drag strip. They run pretty darn strong with that little twin rotor motor, but they can't pass a gas station. So that was the downside of the rotary engines and why General Motors and Ford never really adopted them, although Chevrolet did play with rotary engines for possible use in the Corvette. Yeah, there were a lot of prototype Corvettes running around with a lot of different things. Yep, Danny Sanders says Ford Courier, so I got that part right. Now, Dodge did get into the little truck craze. They bought into Mitsubishi, and they sold the Mitsubishi pickup truck as a Dodge. Yes, they did. Even Volkswagen brought in a pickup truck based on the Rabbit. And Chrysler also did a version of their 024 front-wheel drive car and made it a pickup truck, much like Volkswagen had done to the Rabbit. <clears throat> so many, tr many trucks have been around for a long time. Now they moved upscale, and Chrysler Dodge started bringing out a midsize. They called it the Dakota, and that seems to be the issue. Yeah, Dennis Burnham, the rotary engine did have smogging issues with carburation. They were basically a two-stroke, so there was a little oil usage. So Plymouth Arrowhead trucks, that was true. Cassie, they also had trucks earlier on in the 30s and 40s. They were basically rebadged Dodge trucks at the time, in many cases. In the case of the later Plymouth, it was also a Mitsubishi. Let's see, Bobby Dice says, off the subject, what can a person do to support the great my great shows? Just share them. Let people know they're out there. I do appreciate that, Bobby. You always enjoy the mornings with me? I'm going to keep doing that. And I've got to blame Johnny Martinez, the famed pinstriper, for getting me to do the morning show. I was recuperating from 
triple bypass surgery a little over a year ago. And we went out. He got me off the couch, got me to go to a, a cars and coffee thing in the morning at the Malibu Wheels and Waves, and got me thinking, what can I do? We got this Facebook program. Why don't I do my gas show? Instead of just doing it once a month on in studio, do it every morning and bring out some of this information that I impart during the races and so forth. Uh, and this is information, you know, for some dumb reason, I can remember facts and figures about cars and trucks, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I've started putting memory soles in my shoes so I can remember why I've walked out of a room. And it's working pretty good so far, I think. I'll have to get back to you to see if I can remember why I did that. But, yeah, it's fun. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, I do appreciate it. Bob, if you share uh, my page, the gas page, Great American Auto Scene, and the Two Tired Guys page, that would be appreciated. And then Tuesday nights, like I said, the first Tuesday of the month for now, we go live out of studio. Bruce Barker, myself, Randy Cardoon, and... Joe Walla will be live in studio. It'll be a regular video. We'll have multiple cameras. You get to see just a whole range of us, not just this little narrow, tiny little version. And we'll talk cars. We'll talk racing. We'll talk rocking and rolling. And we're going to talk about the hobby and the sport that we all love. So that'll start next Tuesday night, 6 p.m., right here on Facebook on my page. Or if you can't get it on my page, Go to gotgas.com. That's G-O-T-G-A-A-S.com. And you can see all the previous shows. They're in the archive. And you can see the show live as it happens. We'll start migrating over to YouTube and other formats as well as time goes by. Cassie's asking, why would Ford and GM buy into and work with other companies if they had the Ranchero and the El Camino? Well, let's look at that. The El Camino came out in 1959, went out of production in 1960. It was based on the full-size Chevrolet platform. Ford came out with the full-size Ranchero in 1957. In 1960, they saw the need for a compact truck and brought in the Ranchero. Or actually, they didn't bring it in. They started producing it on the Falcon chassis which made it a nice compact truck. I've had two of them, and I really like them. I, I'd even like to get another one, and, you know, Peg's been talking about that, too. We might have one. As a matter of fact, we might have one that I owned previously. So we'll look into that. But Ford upscaled and upsized the Ranchero in the late 1960s. They went from the Falcon platform to the Fairlane platform, and then later the Torino. It got to be a pretty big vehicle. It became luxurious. luxurious. It became powerful with big engines. GM went to the Malibu platform in 1964. And again, it became bigger. It became more luxurious. It became less utilitarian. But you could get the base model ones. And they had them with all the way up to 454 cubic inch motors. In the Chevrolet, Ford got up to the 460s. So they kind of lost sight of what these were, and the market changed. But what they needed was fuel economy. And the fuel economy came from the compact pickup trucks that the importers or the Japanese manufacturers were making. Hi, Frank Morales. I was at your club meeting last night, South Bay Mustangs. We missed you. They did mention you, though. I'm not saying what they said, though. 
but thanks for tuning in this morning. So anyway, the, the big three, Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors, went to Isuzu, Mitsubishi, and Mazda for compact trucks that were already in process. They didn't have to reinvent the wheel. These trucks were already available in Japan. All they did was rebadge them and import them, make them left-hand drive, and there they were. And you had 20-plus to 30-mile-per-gallon trucks with very little investment in comparison to what it would take to build a whole new truck. <clears throat> now, even though General Motors owned Isuzu, by 1982, they wanted their own vehicle. And that's where the S10 came about. However, the base engine was still the Isuzu four-cylinder. Now, later on, they still had a compact pickup truck. They called them the Colorados. Still Isuzu. Even the later S10s. They produced them and even labeled them Isuzu. Now, the Isuzu truck, unfortunately, was not the Japanese version. It was actually an American version built in Louisiana using the Brazilian GMC sheet metal. Yes, GM had a different truck in Brazil than in the U.S. As a matter of fact, I like the styling of the Isuzu version of the S10 better than the Chevy or the GMC version here in the U.S. It had bulging fender flares that kind of looked cool. And I had one of those, for my son, that is. And it was pretty good. It used the Chevrolet V6, and it had a four-cylinder engine as well, getting very good fuel mileage, and they were pretty solid vehicles. So I enjoyed them, and we had them. I forgot about that. So we had one of those, extended cab. I had a crew cab Colorado, and the Colorado's still based on the Isuzu. And if you look at the current Colorado, and if you go online and look at the current Isuzu trucks, which are no longer sold here in the U.S., pickup trucks, that is, you'll see a very close family well, they look alike. Let's put it that way. Although they're not built in Japan any longer. And the engines helped design by Isuzu as well. The Duramax V8 engine is an Isuzu product. Danny Sanders says he's had one Ranchero, three El Caminos, and they have a two-owner 69 SS396 El Camino now, two other 82 El Caminos with a 305, and he's been a fan of those since he was a little kid. And, you know, I'm thinking about that, too. I did have a 1979 El Camino. We stuffed it with an, a 350, took out the V6 that was in it, the anemic little motor, and put in a 350. And, yeah, it was a comfortable car to drive. I gave it to my son for a while and then uh, sold it to a guy that I worked with so I could buy my son a car. And, yeah, it was a pretty good vehicle. I thought about getting one of those, too. But I'd like to have one with a manual transmission. And although Chevrolet did do that for quite some time, even on the final generation of the El Caminos, they were very rare. You could find them in the SS model. And they didn't have much horsepower. 305 was the biggest engine you could get in the later years of the El Camino. Kevin Hensley says he had a Datsun and a D50. Yep, D50 was the Mitsubishi that Dodge sold. Ivan Shriver says, what about the 76 Ford Courier? That was a Mazda. And they imported those and rebadged them. Cassie Nunez, thoughts on the Lightning? They're kind of fun. It's the only factory supercharged pickup truck that's ever been made that I'm aware of. And they are pretty quick. We've got some that run at the drag strip running in the sixes in the eighth mile. And most of them don't run that quick. But there are a few of the guys that really put some horsepower to them. And they move out. 351 cubic inches with a V8 with an Eaton supercharger sitting on top. 
So they are pretty quick pieces. So it's Trucking Thursday. What kind of trucks have you had? I'll tell you what. You've all been watching? Post pictures of your trucks here. And then remember, next Thursday, next Tuesday night, next Tuesday, live from studio, 6 p.m., right here on my Facebook page or at gotgas.com, we introduce a new host to the show, Wild Joe Walla. And he'll be there. And Danny Sanders says, yep, my 69 runs a little better than the 82. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and Tom Rosebaum, how are you doing today? I'm Hot Rod Bob. You've got gas, the morning edition. And I hope you have a great day. I'm going, as you can see, i got to get ready to go to work. We're racing at Irwindale Drag Strip tonight. Gates open at 4 p.m. Time trials begin at 5 p.m. The burnout box opens at 6 p.m. Hundreds of cars will be out there. It's a car show within a car show, and it is great. Come on out. Guys, you can run your car out there. It's not a problem. Bring the car. You don't want to run your car? I understand. Bring out your girlfriend's car. We won't tell. We'll keep it a secret between us. You guys have a great day. I'm Hot Rod Bob. you got gas. Brought to you by Valley Head Service, Beach Underwriting Associates, Tucker Tire, Irwindale Drag Strip, Irwindale Speedway, and a host of others. And Joe Walla, he's going to bring, bring in a lot to the show next Tuesday. Don't want to miss it. And Joe Walla says, no picks, but a 66 El Camino. Yeah, they're kind of cool. And I'd like to have something like that, too. Got this 57 Ford. I might look into trading for something. You never know. All right, guys, you take care. Hi, Neil. How are you? Yeah, it's a little bit far for you, Neil, but uh, you know what? Next time you come into town for a big race here, an NHRA event, you let me know. I got a spare room. You got it covered, and I'll take you to the tracks. Rapid Robbie Roth with his van. He's got the West Coast fastest ice cream drag van. And Cassie saying his brother had a 71 El Camino with a big block. Could have been a 427. Knowing your dad, he could have put it in there. Most of them had 396s. Or, later on, the 454. Anyway, folks, I'm Hot Rod Bob. I gotta go. I gotta head down to Irwindale. We're racing tonight. It's Thursday night, under the lights at your place to race. Irwindale Drag Strip. You guys have a great day. I'll see you soon.